Everybody can make a movie now. Movies everywhere. That's a good thing. I don't think so, actually. There's less good. There's more bad. Because everybody's able to do whatever they want to do. Hi, I'm Tish. I'm Juliana. And this is In the Movies. This week, we're talking about the documentary Side by Side, and we are asking the question, is awareness of the movie industry ruining the magic of movies? Yeah, it's something that I've thought about before as someone who's, like, interested in movies. Like, no, is knowing everything ruining I've the magic? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's a big question for, like, this generation of movie watchers because we all watch, like, special features and mm-hmm. there's so much information about, like, the making of your movie and, like, we got these photos from the set. Yeah. Mm, stuff um, like that. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> we're going to talk about in a minute, like, movie news. Yeah. We know all the casting and stuff that's coming up. And- yeah. I know. We perpetrate it. Yeah. Uh, All right, so let's start with uh, stuff we've recently watched. What have you been watching? Um, I have not watched a lot of movies this (laughs) month. Um, I was sitting at home, I watched The Duff, which just came out with uh, Mae Whitman, mostly just because I really like Mae Whitman. Yeah. Um, It was cute. I mean, it was cute. It was better than I expected it to be, but I didn't expect a lot from it, so I don't really... Um, and I watched Kingsman, The Secret Service, and that was, like, it was, like, a fun little, like, action-y adventure flick, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it was fun. Mm-hmm. And we went together to see an advanced screening. Yeah, again. VIP bitches! Because <laughs> Tish always can get her hand, apparently, on Apparently I'm good at winning screening. advanced screening tickets. Yeah, and we went and saw Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Which we weren't really excited about, because we didn't... It wasn't, like, on our to-watch list or anything, I would not have paid money to go and see it in the theater, and then it, I loved it. We loved it. (laughs) It's really good. It's really funny and really smart. Yeah. And beautiful. Beautiful. Really cool, like, cinematography stuff. I was, like, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I was, too. The movie ended, and we both were kind of just like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) We did not expect it. It was really good. Yeah. So, not only was it advanced screening, but it was also a delightful surprise. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, um, I watched a lot of movies. I watched a lot of movies. Because <laughs> I have no life. Um, a lot of movies that I've been, like, meaning to see. I finally went and saw Mad Max. Yay! And it's excellent. By myself. Because <laughs> I can't get anyone to go That's with so me. Sad. I saw it in 3D, even though I didn't want to, because... They just don't offer 2D at, like, any time. It was, like, 4 p.m. Well, they, every day, and they that was it. push the 3D because it's more expensive. And then, I know, it's not it's, fair. Some I know, it's can't terrible. can't watch 3D. I like, know. Anyway, so I went to see it, and it was awesome. It was, like, I knew it was going to be, like, kind of fun action movie, and obviously I heard all the stuff about, like, it's so feminist and stuff, which is, like, good. <laughs> but yeah. it was, um... Yeah, it was, like, a lot more emotional than I thought, and I got, like, really attached, and it's just, like, so much more of the story than I thought. It's just It's excellent. It 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 really is. Yeah. I think people will be... I'm just glad you saw it, because I can talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) I think people will be surprised that it's not just a crazy action movie, and that it's doesn't... Also, it doesn't feel like a crazy feminist propaganda, whatever the fuck that is. It's just a solid good it is like a fun adventure and it really is like one big long car chase but yeah yeah i mean like the action the action is amazing Mm -hmm. but there's so much more to it than that yeah yeah 
It's good. It was just really good. Um, not so good was <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. Okay, I saw this in theaters when it came out, and so I'm so happy that you've seen it. It's like, I I love it's... it, and it's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. I was bad. really excited when I first heard about it. I was like, this looks amazing, it's going to be super cool, and then the reviews started coming out that it was like so bad but like go see it because yeah, it's so bad it's, so it's like uh-oh so um yeah finally saw it no expecting it to be bad and i was like well it's fucking beautiful it is it is gorgeous amazing very confusing and yes. very bad dialogue the dialogue <laughs> and the relationships how they like everything i don't even know i don't even want to say grow like <laughs> yeah it was it's just oh my god it's so bad <laughs> yeah, it's like they just threw in these like plot things all over the place, and I know. mostly it was I found it disappointing yeah. because it had I felt it had such potential. It was a beautifully created movie. There's good actors in it, but I, I feel and like then they, they just missed. <laughs> yeah, they just missed the mark with the dialogue and kind of throwing in this plot. I think that it should have been. It would have been a good trilogy. Like there was enough of that world. I know if they, that they set up. If they could flesh everything out and like yeah. actually explain things and really, let things breathe. There was no breath in it. Yeah, because there's so much there. Like I know. spread it out. Give me like a good full story. Go better into the characters. Just yeah. disappointing. Like because I saw potential and I was like, no, you just <laughs> not this time, Chuskies. Um, and I also watched the Cornetto Trilogy, as it's called, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and At World's End. Um, I wasn't, I guess I've been putting off watching them because it didn't really seem like my type of humor or my type of movie, but watching, like, reflecting on them afterwards, I was like, you know what, those are just, like, solid, good movies. Like, I couldn't find any, like, faults in them, really. Like, it was fun to watch, good action, like, fun, cool, like, storylines. And, yeah, it was just everything was, like, spot on. Like, solid. Yeah. Just solid. I'm just going to recommend them to people. Cause they are solid. Good times. Um, and I watched a couple French movies. Mood Indigo. That's the English name for it. Because um, <laughs> it's a Michel Gondry film, and I love his films. Um, like... Eternal Sunshine and um, Be Kind Rewind. Uh, what's the other one? The Science of Sleep. Anyway, they're all like really beautiful. This one's like The Science of Sleep with like a lot of like uh, stop motion animation and cool stuff going on. And uh, a nice fairy tale movie, La Belle, et la, la Belle et la Bette, Beauty and the Beast. It was I just figured that out. Really? <laughs> we're so French. Um, really good. Um, like different telling of the story a lot more about uh like the prince before it was a beast and stuff which was good it was interesting very jerk. beautiful also like really good special effects and stuff so cool if you like fairy tales check that out <laughs> <sighs> trailers not that many not that many recently. but we both seen all of we them we have seen <laughs> them and discussed them so we're prepared yes uh, I put down Mistress America. It's cute. I like um, Greta. Uh, Greta Gerwig. Yeah. I'm really, that's like the only reason I'm interested is because <laughs> they say it's, someone said it was like a sequel to Frances Ha, but it's not literally. It's just like another one of her and her boyfriend's films. Okay, gotcha. But um, yeah, it looks fun. I don't know. It looks, I'll probably like 
check it out. I'll see it eventually. Yeah. It's cute. Mm. I watched, uh, there's a trailer called The New Girlfriend, and it just, the poster looked interesting, and (laughs) I had no idea what it was. And it's a French film about a um, cross-dresser or transgendered. I'm not exactly sure of the specific... It's one of those foreign trailers. chosen by this person. Yeah. Because uh, it's a foreign trailer that really doesn't, it kind of like is like music and like the odd shot. And you're like, I don't know exactly. Someone dies. Yeah, like sex and, and there's then, intrigue and there's death. Sex and death. Sex and death. Pretty French. much. Yeah. Um, so there's that. <laughs> Interesting. Um, one that stood out to me that I'll probably want to see is a comedy sleeping with other people. It looks super cute. Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie are like sex addicts that become friends. (laughs) It's a little like cliche, like boy and girl friends, not in a relationship. And then eventually they end up in one, but you know what? Like sometimes there's a reason that it's cliche because sometimes (laughs) that's what you want to sit down and watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. It looks really funny. There's like a ton of comedic actors in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay producing. So should be fun times. Yeah. I, I look cute. Mm -hmm. I'll probably go see it. All right. Movie news. Yes. What's up? Uh, Ghostbusters is up. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Still really excited. Yeah, is it coming out next year? Yeah, 2016, I think. Right? They just started filming, so... Yeah, so my sum should be next year sometime. They're just patiently waiting. <laughs> they announced that um, Chris Hemsworth is cast as the receptionist. Mm-hmm. Some eye mm-hmm. candy for us. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> That'll be fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I like Thor. Yeah, he like is funny. Thor. Yeah, <laughs> he like could actually be like the god Thor. I would not doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also saw some set photos, which yeah, there were a couple of them, right? Like they looked three. really badass. And then some of them were like kind of like flashbacks to like the eighties when they were just started like starting out. Um, and there was some details about the plot. That I'm forgetting now. Um, oh, it was like Kristen Wiig's character was wrote a paper on this kind of stuff, and then like everyone discredited her. Or it's like years later, and someone like digs that up, and then she's like embarrassed because she's a professor now. And then so she sets up this company with her friends to like prove them wrong or something. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't care what it's about. I'm going to see it. Yeah. I know it's. Gonna <laughs> I'm be like awesome. so all in on this movie that I hope. I hope it's as good as I want it to be. Yeah. There's some sequels or threequels coming out. Mm-hmm. We've got Pitch Perfect 3 is confirmed with <sighs> Anna Kendrick and Rebel Wilson are both confirmed, I think. Yeah. Uh, apparently a Maleficent sequel. Yes. Although, okay. I'm not sure what needs more to be I don't, said. Well, either of those. Like, Pitch Perfect, like, the first one was adorable, the second one was like, okay, this is still the cute. The same kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, do we really need another one? Well, yeah, because first you made money, so they're gonna keep going with it. And yeah, they better come up with a better story for it. With, and with Maleficent, too, I just don't know. Like, is... It really wrapped itself up there. Yeah. Happily so ever like, after. It's the end of the fairy tale. What? I don't understand. What? What? There's going to be another threat to the fairy world? Or no, Aurora kind of brought the two worlds together, yeah. the humans. So what's, what's okay. the problem? 
We'll see. Don't know. I'm sure it'll be beautiful <laughs> no matter what it is. They've also announced that they're doing Lucy 2. Lucy was like the sleeper hit of the summer, like last year, that had Scarlett Johansson being super smart mm-hmm. and using all of her brain. <laughs> <laughs> Woman using her brain? Oh my, oh my god. god. They allow that on <laughs> screens? And um, the movie Columbiana too. I didn't even see the first one and it didn't do well monetarily so everyone's surprised that they're making a second one with Zoe Saldana. But another two movies with female leads being given sequels. And like action movies. An action movie. So that's good in that, in that respect. Maybe they're just kind of jumping on that bandwagon of like. I'm okay. It's with starting that. to like be okay to like. Yeah, make I'm, female led. It's movies. like a bandwagon. I'm okay getting on. Yeah. I guess you know because it's not just a bandwagon. It's progress. It's hopefully important. Progress. Better be. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, and uh, Rose McGowan was in the news lately. Being awesome. She tweeted about the stupid casting call thing about having to wear. Revealing tight yeah. black clothes, push-up bras, and, and yeah, it it it's. I told her to wear like skin-tight black clothing yeah. and show her cleavage, and that push-up bras were encouraged yeah. to be. Which, worn to be by honest, I don't think is a rare thing. No, it's in probably that like most of the casting. Oh yeah, called. female casting is all about like specific looks. They mm-hmm. don't even care. They're just like, we need a woman to be a love interest. Or like, we need a hot, hot girl to girl. walk by. Like, yeah. that's what castings are like and, for women. Um, it's for an Adam Sandler movie, too. Yeah. She called him on that. And then, apparently, her agency dropped her. Dropped her because of this. Which is like, you know who she is, and she doesn't put up with this shit. Why would you suddenly be like, oh no, she spoke out about this. That's all I she know. does. She's, she's, she's awesome. constantly... <laughs> done stuff like this and spoken out and been like mm-hmm. you know what i mean in in the spotlight for that sort of thing like why is this why are you surprised yeah i don't know and weird it's i'm sh- it's not like she's gonna have trouble getting another agent like or work if she or work, she's directing you know now I mean? too so i don't know if she so, really like, even in, wants to act anymore exactly and in that sense like i'm not like like oh poor rose but like that's just She's a dick move, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and and honestly, stupid because now it's come out and it makes them look absolutely terrible as a company. Yeah, so it probably has something to do with Adam Sandler being probably high profile and they have some connection to him or something. Probably pressure from that. Whatever, go Rose McGowan. We love you. Yes. There's a lot more movie news that Tish and I have come across, or cute little fun things. Yeah, so I'm going to link all that stuff on the blog post. Yeah, um, so if you're interested. Because we didn't want to spend the whole, the whole time talking about all the stuff we heard, so we kind of got the hits for you. Yeah. But we're always finding cool stuff, like, on Tumblr and websites and so just we, movie-related we stuff. So you to go there. To check it out. <laughs> all right, on to the movie. Mm-hmm. Side by Side from 2012. Written and directed by Christopher Keneally. Uh, this is his only writer and directed writer and director credit, um, but he has lots of production manager credits. Yeah. Um, I guess that's not really, like, shocking. I mean, he's been involved in film and seen yeah. the transition. And, yeah, docs are different than... Yeah. So, anyway, good for him. I'm guessing he's probably worked with Keanu before. Um, so, hosted by Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. Which basically means he did like the narration and uh, asked the question. He was doing all the interviewing. Interview. Yeah. So, 
Um, quick summary is the documentary investigates the history, process, and workflow of both digital and photochemical film creation. Um, but another quote he uses right at the beginning of the movie to say what it's about is the science, art, and impact of digital cinema. Yes. Which I think is good. It, that's very good much description. what it is. Uh, and generally, the overall question being asked throughout the film is, is it the end of film? That's really what they keep coming back to. Yeah. It's not necessarily digital versus film. It's more, is it the end of film? Yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and um, we usually say that um, if we're talking about a movie on this podcast, it's, you should have already seen it because obviously we're spoiling it. But since this is a documentary, we're not spoiling it's, anything. Yeah, it's different. We're going to talk about it and then... Like, guess what? You guys already know Netflix exists. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's it won't, like... If you listen to this podcast and are like, this sounds really cool, if you go back and watch it, it's not like it's going to not yeah. be interesting. <laughs> there's, there's no big twist at the end. It's not that kind of documentary. It's no. very, like, informational, but definitely not boring. No. Um, so, yeah, if you think it's interesting, you can go watch it. So feel free to listen. And it's on Netflix. Good to know. Just so you know. It's easy to get your hands on. All right, so like we said, it's about kind of digital versus film. The documentary is basically Keanu talking to filmmakers from cinematographers to directors, producers. A lot of high-profile people you'll know. A lot of people you recognize, a lot of people you won't recognize, yeah. but you might recognize their credits yes. under their name. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so and basically just asking the question about their preference, what they think about digital versus film, where do you think film is going, where do you think digital is going. There's a lot of um, interesting informational stuff, like they explain right off the bat how film works, how digital works, and um, there's a lot of kind of history things of the progression so far, film, digital, when things started changing. So that's what I mean by it's very informational. You don't have to know all about filmmaking to watch to this. To watch it, it yeah. It will inform you, and then it will offer you a lot of different opinions. And Tish and I are coming at it from, like, a very different point of view. Mm -hmm. Tish is a filmmaker. Like, that's what she does. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, and she also has a history with it. You've done some time in film school. Yeah. So uh, you've worked with both mediums. Yeah. Um, and I do not make movies. <laughs> I watch a lot of them, and I have a lot of opinions about them. <laughs> but um, I've never worked with it, so I'm coming at it. I didn't know a lot of, like, the technical stuff. And so when Tish is talking about how they explain it, it's it's so simple. They use pictures. <laughs> um, it's it As a documentary, that was, like, in one of my... Uh, my opinion, it's, like, one of the best things about it was that, like, the technical stuff is explained in, like, a really easy-to-understand way for the layman who's watching it being like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I know, like, a camera you pointed at something <laughs> and it, like, makes the image, which is yeah. how I'm coming at it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, very good in that respect. Yeah, so I think it's good for whether you're really interested in film and you're interested in these opinions or you just like watching them and you mm -hmm. want to know a little bit more about the future of movies because you want to keep watching them. Yes. Um, and just a lot of fun things. You'll see them like point out, show clips of movies and say this was film or this was digital and you'll start to be able to like see a difference, which is interesting. And I guess like a little. <laughs> a little. Honestly, I was watching it like the... The older digital stuff, oh, yeah. or like the older film stuff, you can see a difference. Yeah. But like, where where 
film is now at, like, the peak of film. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to get any better. And, yeah. like, where digital is now with how with the advancements they've made, I'm like, I can't really tell. Like, I can tell yeah. the stuff is CGI. I can't tell the difference between digital and film, really. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, yeah, there are some things where I'm like, yeah, you can tell it's digital just... I don't know, the way it picks up the light or something. I don't know, it just looks more like video. But I don't watch a movie that's and think, oh yeah, this is definitely film. Because everything is digitized anyway, mm-hmm. and there's so much CGI and stuff after. I never think, like... I really never think of movies as being on film at all. Cause no. I've, you just kind of assume everything is digital. Well, and like, it's kind of almost surprising to think that people are still filming on film. and trading the reels. the magazines. Yeah. Like, you only get ten minutes on a reel. I know. And, like... Yeah, no, like, monitors and stuff like that. Like, well, and that's what <laughs> I think of uh, now as being directors behind the monitors. Oh, yeah, you're sitting down stuff. watching the monitor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's It was weird for me to, like, I understand that's not how it's done in film, but we're the digital generation. Like, we're growing up with things digitally, and that's how, like, that's, that's normal for us. Like, film is mm-hmm. the exception for us. Yeah, because so. it's something we don't get our hands on. It's very expensive. It's impractical if you just want to make something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, okay, so let's just kind of go through the stuff that they talk about in the movie and what we think. These kind of started with um, just actual cameras themselves. Yes. And the ability that digital cameras, when they first came out, it was like, oh my god, these are so much smaller, so much lighter. Like, yes, we're sacrificing quality, but these innovative filmmakers are like, I will sacrifice quality to be able to do things that I can't do on film, yeah. like move it around, do a like perspective kind of thing. You can get shots and movements with a digital camera, especially early on, that you you can't get with a film mm-hmm. camera. You just can't do it. It's They're big and heavy. Even if you do like a steady cam thing, it's still very much attached to the camera operator. Whereas digital, you can literally like hold it in your hand, throw it around, attach it to things and move it around. Like, yeah, it's, and I mean, that's just a practical thing about ease too. Like Mm -hmm. why, how would you not only want like a, you know, 10 pound camera as opposed to like this giant ass thing that you have to attach yourself to. Yeah. It's the movement and also... Um, to me, like old movies, especially you can tell that they're old. One of the reasons you can tell they're old movies is that the camera doesn't move much. No, it's static shots. Yeah. That's probably because you can't move. You couldn't move those cameras around. And also because when movies started, um, they were basically filming plays. Mm -hmm. So like the camera didn't move really. And people just acted in front of it. And it took time to kind of create the art of cinematography and doing things with the camera and not just, like, capturing plays. Definitely. And so with digital coming up, it's, like, even more options for that. And really, the art of cinematography gets to do... Like, there's so many new options now. You can actually move the cameras around and do stuff. Yeah. I find it interesting, like... They were, I think it was John Malkovich talking about it. Um, and he was talking about the fact, like, when you're, when you're filming a film, you have to stop, like every 10 minutes like yeah i knew that part like you know mm-hmm. i have done a little bit of acting on a set i think it was digital but mm-hmm. um and it was just interesting the fact of like i was sitting there and i'm like i can't imagine stopping that often i come from like a theater program yeah where when we're running something we run it until we're done running it and then we run it again yeah <laughs> like i don't know it was just like oh my god like i'd be so fucking bored <laughs> 
Yeah, it's the thing about film is that was another big difference when digital came on. It's like it's so much cheaper, cheaper. So you can have multiple cameras going yeah. at once. You can and faster. People can who can't afford to do films can do movies all of a sudden, and um, they oh, a lot of people reference the sound of the film going through the cameras, like listening to money go through the <laughs> camera because it's so expensive. Yeah, um, that's another thing that boggles my mind about still shooting on film is that. You know, you do your rehearsals or whatever, and then it's like once that thing is running, it's like this better get right because we can't afford a million takes. Whereas if you're doing digital, like fuck around, have fun. It was interesting though, as people saw that, like this documentary does a good job of looking at everything from both sides and Mm -hmm. finding people. Because like some people were like, yeah, you have options. Some people were like, I fucking like film because they know it's money running through the camera and they are going like with their A game. And I was like, that's, I guess like I can see both sides of this. But the problem is, what if their A-game isn't what you're hoping for, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. It always comes down to more options with digital. Yeah, that's definitely with me being of this digital age. I'm like, yes, options. I need options and possibilities. But the cameras were interesting. You see, like, I didn't know, like, how much Sony had to do with, like, mm-hmm. changing, and like, as a company in, in particular, changing into digital. Because they were the first ones to... Yeah, I think it was so Jump many. There were only that. a few companies that, like, started really to do it, yeah. change it. Mm-hmm. And then... Now everyone does it. Yeah. Now and they don't make film. Yeah, they literally anymore. don't make them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another issue of it. Like, it's already on its way out. Well, yeah, if, if they're not making the, the cameras, then when those cameras are no longer able to be used... Yeah, and I think That's it's, the end. <laughs> um, George Lucas, who said... Um, cause he also talked about, he was involved in, um, like making new cameras because yeah. I think it was episode one, which was in 1999. Yeah. That's, uh, was on film. Was on film. And yeah. between that and the second one, he worked with Sony or I'm forgetting the details I now, think, but I think it was Sony he worked with. Yeah, yeah. On actually developing the technology to be able to shoot episode, episode two, two digitally. Digital. And he um, was crucified for that decision. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> I mean, now looking back on it and not, you know, like, being of mm. the digital world, we're like, that's ridiculous. But, like... Yeah. I, yeah. Even because that's such a, like, sci-fi, lots of CGI movie, I wouldn't I know. think film for episode one. No. I don't... <sighs> and it's not like watching episode two, I was like, this looks different in digital. Like, <laughs> I know. And that was, like, compared to today, like, shit technology, because technology moves so fast. Um, what I was saying about... George Lucas, um, he said, like, we've reached the end of film technology. Like, this is as good as it gets. There's nothing more to be done to it. It's been perfected. There's nothing more. So you need to jump over to digital and get started with that and be part of... What makes it better. Yeah, like he was doing, like, he and um, James Cameron also is very involved, like, with the companies, like, developing technology, especially James Cameron with 3D stuff. Yeah, doing Avatar. Yeah, like, the filmmakers are, big filmmakers, are actually involved with the companies, like, creating technology so that they can make the movies they want to make and move this whole thing forward. Well, that's been done for a long time. Um, Stanley Kubrick did that a lot for 2001, Mm because they didn't have a way to film it. (laughs) And he was like, that's the problem. And those are what led to George Lucas being able to do things on the original Star Wars, and now George Lucas is... Making new mm-hmm. things so that it's, I mean, that's kind of how film progresses. And that's why people need to do digital, because that's the only way that they're going to 
yeah, you film, know, progress the medium. Even if you still want to argue that you can use film, like, fine, it's There's, not like film, like, digital is so great that it makes film look bad, no. film still looks good, but we've reached the peak of film. Yes. There's, There's no, no way to get better at film. It's yeah. as good as it's getting. It's The physical thing cannot be better. Yeah, there's nothing more to be done to the process, and so by staying with that, you're just falling behind with the digital, because digital is still yeah. going, and it won't be long and before there is a huge difference where digital looks way better, because we're at that point in technology, and film is, you know, reached its peak 50 years ago or something. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm okay, like, there's some things I understand that people want to shoot in film, and maybe, like, that film is better for that specific thing, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, like, as a, as, I think film sh- is, should be the exception, probably, as opposed to... I think it's already probably is, is at this point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this documentary is from 2012. Yeah, and at that point it was probably pretty even. Yeah, but even then, like, I think digital is definitely taking over, and the way things move... In so technology, fast. I think film is already oh, for the sure. exception. I would agree with that. Just because, I mean, you like have... I said, being on set, you have your monitors set up, you have options, you're... I mean, every... Even when you shoot on film, if you didn't know this, like, you shoot on film, it's immediately digitized. Yeah. Like, that day, so you can watch your dailies the next day, which, if you don't know, when you shoot on film, because you... That's the other thing about digital, like, you don't even get to see what you're filming when you shoot on film. Yeah. You have to wait till the next day and watch your dailies and hope that 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 your DP got what you wanted and then everything looks good. Yeah. So even when you shoot on film now, you digitize it and watch it the next day. And obviously all the editing and the special effects is all digital. And that's so. the big thing that changed, right? Is like, yeah, they started doing cameras. But when, when the effects world and when the editing world became digital, that really pushed digital ahead. Yeah. Because if you have to make it digital anyway... Why don't you just keep it digital the entire way through? It makes, like, that's just logic, like, aside from anything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it makes so much more sense to be doing the post-production digitally. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine, like, cutting film. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I I mean, it's cool to, like, think about it, but, like, we're sitting here thinking about it, and we're like, oh, that's so old-timey. Like, that should tell you right away that the future is digital. I mean, like, I edit videos all the time. I can't imagine, like, actually, like, running film through a thing and, like, deciding exactly where to cut and, like, not once it's cut, that's it. Yeah. I'm very digital, and I need my undos and my options and my layers and... Yeah. And we will have the cute sayings like, oh, we left it on the cutting room floor. Yeah. <laughs> Where, I mean, that used to be a literal thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, those processes make sense to be digital. They're, they're talking Absolutely. about it in the film and they're like, you know, we input it, why, like, digitally you can, you can input the movie and it's all just ones and zeros. You can manipulate those ones and zeros and then it comes out as what you want instead of having to like, um, they're talking about the the colorization processes mm. and like having to redo that, and you have such a like finite amount of change that you can mm-hmm. make, and it's uh, I don't know. Make, <laughs> I I don't understand why. I yeah. want I like I I want to think that film is an option, but the more you think about it, the more the less sense it makes. Yeah, it's gonna because it's not the main option anymore. It's getting more expensive. Yeah. And just more impractical. 
because there's so much more that you can do with digital. And like I said, even the thing of like being able to watch the monitor as you film. That yeah, that's day. such a basic. Yeah, that's such a simple <laughs> thing. And if, I can't imagine being a director and just trusting my DP, cinematographer, whatever you want to call them, to like get the shot. And at the end of the day, like the DP is like, oh yeah, I got it. Don't worry. Like I know what it looks like. I have my vision. And I then know. you watch the dailies just like you really waiting to have see what to, you got the like, next day. Trust that person yeah. implicitly. Like I want to watch it and then watch it back and decide like, okay, do it a little bit different this time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Be and able not to make the tweaks. Being like, oh God, hundreds of dollars rolling through the camera as we speak. Yeah. Like, no, it's well, a hard like, drive. David Lynch is like, I can talk to them while I'm filming them mm-hmm. and have them, you know what I mean? And they can respond to what I'm saying while we're rolling because it's not costing me hundreds of dollars, like, a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's my thing about having, like, taking lots of takes and having options. Just with film, it's like, Holy shit, get this. Like, we used film for the first two films that we did in film school. And it was like, you only have 100 feet. That's how they literally talk about film and feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, every fucking second counts. Every fucking frame is like, get this. Like, you do your little scenes, like, over and over and over again. And then you're like, like okay, everybody ready? Oh, my God. And, like, everyone, like... It's such an intense it's thing. very stressful. Because you only get a little bit of film, and, like, it's school, and it's, like, expensive, and you don't get any fuck-ups. Mm-hmm. Like, I was actually acting in one of my friends' film, and we did, like, several takes on this, like, reaction shot of me, because I was not an actress. Um, and I just felt so bad, because I was like, I'm using up all your film, because I can't, like, make the right face for you. Yeah. And we did, I remember being in one, and they did this really cool shot where, like, I was, like, in the mirror doing my makeup, and the shot was, like, from behind me in the mirror, and had a lot of different camera moves and zooms and everything, which was a big deal, but it was also 17 seconds, which was, like, whoa. Like, yeah. that was a really long it's an shot. eternity. And it's also, like, don't fuck this up, because, like, if we need to do it again, like, we can't afford another 17 seconds, because we're going to miss something else in this little film. Yeah. Like, no pressure. Too much pressure with film, <laughs> is I my know. opinion. It's a lot. It definitely is. Like, I can't imagine doing... I mean, well, that's what makes, like, big movies can afford to do film, because they can afford to still fuck up with film. Yeah. Well, like, Christopher Nolan is a big proponent of film. And like he can fucking afford he it. He makes enough money for the studios that he can do film, should he decide to do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, I grew up with, like, my camcorder, starting to make videos when I was, like, 13. This is, like, early 2000s. And if I had been growing up, like, even a decade ago or a couple decades ago, like, I wouldn't have been able to make anything. And I would have just been, like, waiting for the day that I get to film school to actually, like, use film. Yeah. (laughs) And I think... You wouldn't have had that option, for sure. Yeah. And I think... um, And we'll kind of get into this later with the question about... Um, like if like digital allows more people access, which can make there's a lot more shit out there, but there's a lot more good stuff. And like with film, you would only be able to make anything, even a short or something, if you had a ton of money yeah. and like producers and like everything set up and a ton of help. But now digital, it's everywhere. People can make shit on their phone, or they can go buy a Canon 7D or whatever, and yeah. they can make stuff and. 
for sure. I think it's better Better. to allow people to make stuff. Democratic. Mm. Yeah, equal opportunity. We're all about that. (laughs) I can't imagine. I think it's bad enough that I've chosen, like, such an expensive, like, creative, like, art that I want to do. Like, like, writing. All you need is, like, your computer or, like, other types of stuff. Pen and paper if you're going old school. (laughs) And I've just, like... Like, making movies and videos, which is, like, even just making videos and stuff, there's so much equipment to get. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, being in love with filmmaking and not even being able to do anything because I can't afford a fucking film camera. In your head, it would all just be magic in your head. Uh, Yeah. Well, and that's something that, in the film, I don't remember who it is, but they're like, well, you know, I think film shows a lot more heart. And I was like, I disagree with that implicitly like I think that there's good movies and there's bad movies and that doesn't matter what medium you're using no like I think that if you're making something and the the thing you're making has heart I don't think it's gonna matter whether you film that on digital or on film and also <laughs> only the people in the industry are watching movies and being like ooh should I do film or digital yeah most of your audience we don't give a shit does not know <laughs> and does not care yeah so don't think like there's some sort of pride to like still using film no one Very, fucking like, cares Luddite view of <laughs> yeah and really like the argument that they started with for digital like in the 90s was like look what we can do yeah all this new stuff that we can do and that's what audiences are like wow like even in the beginning you could tell like the quality was worse but like wow look what this camera is doing yeah. and just a whole different form of filmmaking when you can do different stuff with the camera mm-hmm. and audiences are just most people are just focusing on the story so you just need to do whatever you need to do to tell your story for sure i agree and they're not going to be like ooh, film like they don't know and even if they do audiences want to be wowed and we want to be we want to be shown a good story Mm -hmm. you can do that on digital yeah They wouldn't, yeah. Especially now that digital's gotten to a point where you don't look at it. Like, you don't even have the argument of, like, it's not as good quality. Oh, no. You know, it's It's beautiful now. Different. It is a a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but not different enough that people are like, wow, this clearly is not film. Yeah, it's not professional film versus home video anymore. (laughs) It's, you know, and they say stuff about film, like, film has more diversity with, like, the capturing the darks and the lights and Mm -hmm. stuff. And even if that's still true, we're not that far away from perfecting that in digital No, that's getting better. Like, every camera that comes out has has more dynamic range or whatever. Yeah, like, the argument for film is just going to... Any little arguments you have left for film is just going to keep getting replaced by digital. They're disappearing. The arguments are disappearing because digital Mm -hmm. is getting better. The main one is just money. Of course. <laughs> so when in that in the business of filmmaking, the most important thing is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. I know that's not maybe the most romantic way to look <laughs> at, at movie making. It is a fucking business, but it's the truth. Money. And digital is a whole shitload cheaper. Yeah, and that's just that's not going to change. So <laughs> unless yeah. you can fix that, <laughs> so yeah, you know your argument kind of doesn't matter. A studio is always going to go digital. Yeah. If they have the choice. It's cheaper. Absolutely. I mean, filmmakers have to make very good arguments in order to be granted 
permission to do it on film. Yeah, you have to be, like, big, like, fucking Christopher Nolan to be able to do film. Which, really, like, people are still going to see those big blockbusters, all the Marvel movies and stuff, but also as, um, like, access to more stuff becomes available, like, people are watching more independent stuff, Mm -hmm. people have more access to, like, the little, the movies that make it to festivals and kind of all part of this, like, di- digital media age, and yeah. everything's more accessible, so people aren't as, like, impressed with the big blockbusters. It's not, like, their only movies are the huge, big opening weekend stuff, so... Yeah. You're not impressing anyone, Christopher Nolan, with your film, like... Well, and that's the really... I think that's the most important thing, is, like, the, the media of the age has changed. hmm I mean, we're all cord cutters... All of our stuff is digital. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the things I wanted to mention was, um, like, if we're talking about digital, we're talking about, like, film versus digital, but if you're going to talk about digital movies, then we also have to include other digital media because movies, it's not just movies anymore. Like, TV has gotten better. um, So much better. Yeah, and there's, you know, like, internet video, web, like, web series, YouTube and stuff. Um, like movies are not as sacred as they used to be because no. no one's really going to theater anymore. We're waiting for Netflix or fucking downloading it. Um, and like we're watching more TV cause TV has gotten better and we're watching a lot more internet stuff cause we have short attention spans yeah. and like the quality of all those are like kind of mixing all together. Like YouTube people are making movies and TV has gotten as good as movies or movies can be shit now because people are making, like, yeah. It used to be, like, there's film, and then there's, like, everything else, and it's kind of way below film, and that standard's totally gone. Yeah. The first thing I can think of for that was, like, when True Blood came out. Yeah, it was... That was when everyone started talking about, like, oh, like, Anna Paquin's a movie star, and she's moving to TV, because, like, this is good quality shit. Yeah. And I don't just mean, like, looks good quality. I mean, like, it was good writing. Writing, everything. Yeah, it wasn't just They're... fucking sitcoms and then, like, movies were serious. Yeah. It was, there's good acting and good parts for people on TV now. Yeah. It's all blurring together, so... It's exciting. And it's all fucking digital. Even when you shoot on film, like, we start... You immediately digitize it and then add your special effects and stuff, so... Yeah. Um... What else? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just made a lot of notes about how I feel about it because I... You're a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, and I like I got into it when I was like 12 and used a video camera for the first time. And again, like if film was the only option, that wouldn't have happened to yeah. me. And I wouldn't have like convinced my parents to get me a camcorder and like started making my own videos and stuff right away. And also because of that, it's almost like I can't even think of film as an option. If I were to be able to do a big project, it would just be like, that is so impractical. Mm -hmm. I want it digital. I want to watch it as it's happening. I don't want to be thinking about money all the time. Well, and I think, like, that's pretty clear. Like, there's not a lot of young filmmakers that who grew up with the digital stuff that use film, unless they're trying to be cool yeah exactly (laughs) you know what i mean because that's 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 not the medium you grew up with and it's going backwards (laughs) yeah exactly like you know that that is dying why would you not try and progress film yeah i mean i understand why they 
do that like in film school to get us started with that. It's almost like a history lesson. Yeah, and the understanding of the process. Yeah, and it does give you that like value of it. Like they're not just throwing digital cameras at us right away and letting us go crazy. It's like take care, plan your shots, do this, get make sure that's very good lesson for that for sure. But also, like, I would never have chosen to film, like, my thesis film on film, because I would have just been, like... The stress would have been unbelievable. (laughs) Um, And that's just, like, me, like, growing up in the digital age, like, all the kind of art forms that I do are digital. Like, I don't really do painting and stuff that much. And when I try to, like, paint a painting, I'm like, oh, I want to undo that. (laughs) There's no undo button. There's no, like, layers to, like, test things out. So, like... I do a lot of, like, Photoshop stuff and, like, Illustrator and obviously editing my video. And, like, I can't imagine not having, like, I said, like, the options. An undo button. (laughs) An undo button. I literally want to, like, control Z things in real life all the time. Yeah. And I, yeah, I can't imagine not, or, like, filming something and waiting for the next day to see it. Like, no, I need to see it right away. Mostly because I'm filming myself most of the time. So I need to watch it Yeah, you need to watch it back, yeah. But yeah, I'm just, we're of that age where, like, we grew up completely digital, and pe- filmmakers that are going into film school now and starting definitely started from even a younger age with computers and digital stuff, and so, like, film is going to be, like, unfathomable to them as an option, so I think it's going to die out really quickly. Yeah. Because everyone starting now is not exactly. even going to consider it. No. Well, and plus, like, okay, in theaters, they're have digital projectors now yeah so why the hell would you record on film just to turn it digital so that you can do all your uh post-production on it and then it has to be digital to go to the it's going to be shown digitally in the theater yeah there's literally once the film is done it's digitized and like that's it you're digital from then on yeah so So you're you're already three quarters digital (laughs) like yeah it, like, know. unless you want to film it on film and then edit the film and then play it on a fucking film projector, like, yeah, go for that if that's a little project you want to do. But if you're making an actual movie, it's going to be, like, you can argue, like, film picks up the light or the grain or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then it's going to go through digital editing and CGI and colorist and, and pr- people are going to watch it digitally on their TV and on their computers. Course. And the more that you work on digital, the more you can help better those things, right? Like, and make sure that it starts picking up the grain or the light or the... We're going to be able to do that. Yeah. (laughs) If your argument is, like, film could do things that digital can't do, you need... As a filmmaker, you need to get on board the digital train and, like, help the technology create what you want. Like, what you like out of film, whether it's the darks and the lights contrast or the grainy look we can fucking create that if you want if not now eventually so yeah there's no denying that film has reached its limit its limit no and nobody that, denied that in the movie no. like there was no like but we're gonna find out we can do so much more yeah no, at not. best even the people who are like pro film were like i hope we keep using it for at least like five ten years like they were just yeah. kind of saying i hope it doesn't die out now because yeah. i still like it but they weren't delusional like it's never gonna die no. i refuse to go digital <laughs> No. There's just people who started with it and still like using it. Well, like, the practical things, like, I I found the, the color timing really, like, an interesting section of the documentary. Yeah. Um, specifically, like, when they were talking about, oh, brother, where art thou? And, 
wanting to change colors of specific things without changing like the entire look of the film mm -hmm. and like you have such finite options with the with film because it's three colors and yeah like, um, that's that's your option that was an interesting that i definitely like learned even as someone who went through film school like i learned that for the first time about the color timer or the yeah. colorist is actually the last person. It's like a job you've never heard about because you kind of no, you like that with editing. Yeah, you're like, I'm sure that gets done, but you don't think yeah. of it as like a specific, this person just does the color. <laughs> yeah, because like when I edit stuff on Final Cut, I'm like the, one of the last things I do is the color correcting. Yeah. And that's all part of the editing process for me. But originally, when you were developing your film, you had to get someone who like was called a color timer. Because literally it was like dipping the film in the yep. chemicals for, for a certain specific amount of time to get the colors that you want. Yeah. And they're, even today it's all digital, but they're actually the last person to like touch, touch. a film. Yeah. Which and is so cool. Yeah. It's something you never hear about. And I was like, oh my God, that's so like, you shoot it the way you want it. And like, you know, like when you're actually shooting, it's all about the lighting and stuff and mm -hmm. then you edit it together and you add your CGI and stuff. But it's the colorist who can really, like, make the look of the yeah. film. And obviously and they work with the director and DP and everyone. Of course. The DP usually is, I'm assuming, there most of the yeah, time. Yeah, they're doing it with trying them. to get the shot that they shot. Yeah. But it's really up to the colorist to, like, go through every little scene, every little shot. And it's not just about, like, tweaking with the colors. It's this section needs to be like this and this yeah. section needs to be like this. Or, like Those you said... Those trees need to be... Yeah. In Brother, or oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, that was he, so cool. It was... They say it was shot on film, and the director was like, I don't know how to get the colors I want in the old-fashioned kind of way. Yeah. And he had a, I think they called DI, digital uh, image something, um, was, was like, oh, I can do that for you. I can, I can make the trees golden, but yeah. keep your blues. Because he wanted the sky blue, but he wanted, like, the trees, like, because when he shot it, they were green. Mm -hmm. Like, but he wanted them, like, more the golden brown not the fresh mm -hmm. green trees. But if you're you treating, like, the whole frame... Then the sky won't stay with the blues. It would go more of, like, yeah. a yellowy hue. So with and magical digital technology, you can take the whole green spectrum and change that. Yeah. And leave the and blues, leave the blues, blues blue. blue. And the overalls. The blue, yeah. Blue sky, blue overalls. <laughs> and everything, everything else golden. golden. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it was a really, um, it was a really smart, like, uh, example to use because it was mm -hmm. very visually, like, you're like, oh, I can see. You see the before and after yeah. and you're like, oh. It's That's a fun thing about, like, this documentary, if you don't know all about filmmaking, getting to see, like, kind of before and after stuff like yeah. that. You're like, oh my god, like, it, it doesn't just go in the camera like that. No. They didn't just, like, <laughs> you know, like, you have a really good camera or whatever, yeah. like, lighting and stuff. Like, even when you have your good camera and your good DP and lighting and you... So much editing. So much afterwards yeah. that you tinker with. You really see, like, how important everyone who does post-production's job is. Yeah. It's not like they got a lot of the love. Unfortunately. Yeah. I always think that, like, yes, they do everything to get the shot they want, but without an editor putting things together so the story makes sense or getting in those little yeah. fun things or, and then obviously the color and just the look of it... Like, it would not be the same movie. Of course. So, love to the post-production. Yes, the definitely. that you've never heard of. Um, what else are we wrapping this up with? Oh, God, I've, I've written so much, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, I 
think we kind of already talked about yeah. this. Oh, they talk about archiving, the archiving at the thing. end, which is interesting. Something to think about when we're all pro-digital. It is a digital issue. Yeah. Um, anyone who's had a hard drive crash, crash uh, or dropped it. Yeah. <laughs> so they basically talked about how film is the capture medium and the storage medium. You capture yeah. on the film and then it stays there. And if Go you back store it correctly, it. you know, films, real film lasts for like 100 years. You just need a projector. Which really, even if those go, like, extinct, or you shine light through it and move it. Like, that's yeah. not a big thing. But with this digital stuff, because it's kind of being created so quickly and moving along so quickly, we're not thinking about the long term. Yeah. Which is, like, storing your shit on hard drives. And they said something about storing um, all their tapes or, like, something. And you also have to put a reader in that box because, because that technology is going to go yeah, out. Yeah, they were talking about, like, the digital stuff in, like, the 80s. And, yeah. like, no one has beta or VCR or, you know, I guess VCR is actually film. But, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, they don't have the digital mediums that they used mm-hmm. at the time. So, so, like, that's the thing about digital is that it's not a physical thing that's ones and zeros in this hard drive, this magical box called a hard drive. Yeah. And... If that goes away or, like, that gets ruined or the technology changes, something happens physically to the hard drive, it's just, it's just gone. It's gone. And they were talking about, like, (laughs) if you don't ever turn a hard drive on and look at it and use it, the hard drive goes. And then if you use it too much, the hard drive goes. And so, like, what, like, what do you do? (laughs) Yeah. So, and then, yeah, because, like, software and hardware changes so rapidly in the technological age... Yeah. So it's it is, it definitely is a concern that we need to address. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that we can find a solution to that. Like, Yeah, I think people just aren't worrying about it yet. Exactly. Because it hasn't been long enough. Yeah. But but when they start to go back and stuff, stuff's not When there. it's been long enough that we're digging out, like, old stuff that is digital, mm-hmm. we're going to be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. We need to uh, preserve this stuff. Yeah. So that's, like, one good thing to say about film is that... It'll fucking last forever yep. if it's if it's taking, stored in its, if it's container. Taken care of properly for sure. And then it'll like kind of always be readable when you take it out. Yeah, shine light. Light. <laughs> Whereas with this digital stuff, like I said, it's fucking ones and zeros. It doesn't even really exist. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um. Anything else? No. I think you know. It's pretty much like if. If filmmakers don't jump on the digital bandwagon, you're going to be left behind. Mm. I think it's interesting to learn about how, like, people like George Lucas and James Cameron or the guy who owns Oakley created this I know! That's so bizarre! I was like, seriously? Like, I think of goggles and sunglasses. And I'm like, here you are making cameras. The (laughs) man who owns Oakley Sportswear Company... um, decided to take upon himself <laughs> to create the technology for better digital cameras. Yeah. Uh, and created the Red camera, which is a really popular brand now. Yeah. So it was, it's was probably so a fucking billionaire crazy. because of I that. Know. So it's random. But yeah, it was interesting to um, learn about the people who actually were like... Are behind it. And making this technology. And yeah, kind frontier. of the history of digital and how yeah, it started. Yeah, it, it was cool. It was cool, the history lesson. Mm-hmm. It was... Interesting. Yeah, good movie. Very and, good uh, documentary. Like, it's very engaging. Mm-hmm. So. 
Do you want to talk about anything else? Female representation? I'll probably bring up stuff when we get into okay. our discussion as Most well. Fine. I think of something, but... Okay, so our final things. Uh, female representation. It's a little different because it was a documentary. There wasn't, yeah. like, character development. Um, so I just counted of the people credited being on screen, interviewed. There were 69, and 11 of them were female. Just not great. Not I will... They, Accurate I did, for the industry. I, and that's the thing, though, is that Sadly. it is a documentary, so it's not... You know what I mean? Yeah. If it was disproportionate the other way, it wouldn't be, I guess, an accurate representation. But then I would be... If but it then was I'd be like, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I'd kind of be like, well, good, they made an effort to include more women. Yeah. I will mention they do include two female cinematographers. It's like the only two... Which out of 69 people <laughs> is like... That's a lot. Yeah. Because overall, it's like 2%. And I I know we saw at least one director, like a colorist. There were, you know, like I think they tried to find at least... I think there was at least one woman in One woman in, in every job description. Yeah. yeah. Which is good. Yeah. It was always like nice to see a woman pop up as like a cinematographer or something because that's yeah. so rare. I know. Or editing cool. or colorist or whatever. Um, yeah. Female crew, zero to seven in the top five positions. So... Do yep. add... Mm. The uh, reviews, we're looking at uh, uh, Rotten yeah. Tomatoes, yeah. <laughs> um, just as kind of a reference, because we don't like to put specific We're not good with numbers. Reviews. No. Yeah. <laughs> so Rotten Tomatoes says the critics and the audience. The critics gave it 92%, the audience gave it 86%. So very high. That's really high for yeah. both of them. But as we were saying, like, you're not really going to watch this unless... Like, you have an interest in it. <laughs> yeah, like, no one was watching this and giving it a bad score because it was boring or something. It's like, you wouldn't even start to watch it if you didn't want to. Yeah. Um, and obviously, critics who know movies better are definitely going to... But yeah, like we said, it's just a very well-put-together documentary. Very well. Subject matter aside, it flows really good. It's really interesting to explain everything. Yeah. So, like... A, I, a plus. A plus. A plus on, like, just the creation of the documentary. Yeah. So. Um... So, final thoughts. I just want to say recommend it to everyone. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested in movies. So, you'd probably find it interesting to learn a little bit of the history, how the cameras were developed, how film and digital actually work. Um, I don't think it's it's not going to be dull. Like, if you don't think you like learning this behind-the-scenes stuff, it's not going to be dull. It's going to be people you recognize talking about movies. That you know. Yeah, and just kind of going to learn something new and kind of be aware of film versus digital and yeah. the future, what's going to happen. Mm. So basically I just recommend this to any movie lover. Yeah, um, it's a great documentary. It's it's easy to understand and follow the technical aspects of it. It's also engaging and thought-provoking. Um, I would definitely recommend it if you have any interest in how films are made or just any general interest in like the film industry itself mm. highly recommend it it's um it's an easy watch like you're not sitting there being like oh my god this is gonna be over i get it <laughs> like it's it's easy to breeze through and i think you will both um learn something and um think about movies in a different way yeah it's very educational in a not boring way. <laughs> I know. And, that's um, like, that always makes it sound boring when you say educational, but it's not boring. If you're interested in movies, then it's going to be it's, interesting. Yeah. And um, definitely, like, will make you think about movies and how movies are made, if you weren't already thinking about that. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
All right, so let's go into a little bit of a discussion. Quick, quick discussion. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. So much to say about the movie. Okay. Um, it's kind of based around kind of question I put forward of is awareness of the movie industry ruining the magic of movies? By which I mean awareness of the movie industry, like behind the scenes stuff, knowing casting stuff before it happens, is knowing that, even the technical stuff. Yeah. The layperson um, didn't use Recognizing to. every single friggin' actor. Yeah. Is that ruining kind of the magic of going to a movie and being completely immersed in this world? My short answer is yes, mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily bad, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why I asked it, because I noticed that, like, oh, it's this face that I recognize again. This is kind of taking me out of the movie because I'm seeing that actress and not this character. Yeah. Or I'm Actors, wondering how they made this shot happen. Yeah. Or I've already heard something about it, so I'm thinking about this scene from the other perspective. Yeah, or you know this big thing happens in it, and you're, like, waiting for that. Mm. Yeah. Acting, the actors in particular is, like, an interesting one, because as as television has gotten better and stuff, mm. actors are more fluid through the medium that they choose to act in. And even, I was watching the Tony Awards the other day, um, because it keeps me apprised of uh, my theater, <laughs> and it was interesting because, like, uh, of the best of best female lead in a play or whatever, like five of the six of them you'd know from the movies. Mm. So it was like like Elizabeth Moss, uh, Helen Mirren. You were just sitting oh there, and you're gosh. like, holy fuck! So it's like all three of the main like forms of like theater, television, and film. Yeah. It's all just the same people now, which sucks if you're trying to get into the industry because yeah. again we're talking about it's all about money they're just attaching like money to these faces and mm-hmm. saying yes our movie will make a lot of money because jennifer lawrence is in yeah. it oh a ton of people are gonna come to this play if elizabeth moss is playing the lead character yeah like we need names yeah which i know and theater rejected that for so long and now they're <laughs> totally the same <laughs> i think it sucks because i'm sick of seeing the same people over and over and I start to just see them as them or like think about other roles that they've been in or like I already know what she's going to be like because I've seen her before. I know I love when I see like somebody in a film and I like don't know them like when we saw me and Earl and the Dying Girl they're not actors that some of like the um like Connie Britton and the adults were we recognize the kids but the kids who are the majority of the film, Mm. like, I'm not aware of their stuff. and Yeah, I have no attachments to what they're going to be like. Yeah, so, and, like, it was so refreshing. Yeah. (laughs) It was really nice. And I also think, um, this might happen more on TV, but, like, if you see someone you recognize and they're, it's not a big first scene for them, you're like, oh, but I know who they are. They're obviously coming back. Like, they're not going to have just this tiny role. Yeah. Because I know they're a big name. And that ruins it, again, because it gives away kind of the story when you know that this per- character must be important because I recognize that actor is important. person is important, I know. It's, I, I think that that's, of all of the ruining of the magic, I almost feel like it's the casting that's the biggest issue. I feel like if they yeah. started to include people we didn't know as many, and like... I know there's still a couple directors out there that like to like find new, fresh faces and stuff. Mm-hmm. But if they did that more often, like, it would... It helps people get engrossed in the film. Absolutely. That's a big thing that takes away from the being, like, completely in that world is thinking about, like, I recognize all these people and I'm thinking about their other roles or, like, I already know how they're going to act because I know who they are. Mm -hmm. Like, in Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, 
um, he shows up and Molly Shannon is playing her mom. Yeah. And right away it's like, oh, well, I know, know what she's going to be like. Yeah. You know she's, Molly Shannon. Yeah. yeah. Even though it wasn't like a hilarious movie or hilarious role. No, but she was Some of funny. the affectations and stuff are yeah. just, they're Molly Shannon. Yeah. And that takes away from it because now yeah. I'm, you know, thinking of the movie as like, the char- the kids I think of as the characters because I've never seen them before, and then the adults I'm thinking of the, the actors. adults. It was the actors. I know it was a really weird juxtaposition though, because the yeah. kids were the characters, and then the adults were Connie Britton and Molly Shannon and Nick Offerman. Yeah, Nick Offerman. <laughs> you know that's who they were, and it yeah. was really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it really takes away. But on the other hand, I could argue that knowing an actor and seeing them a bunch of stuff when I see they're doing something new I'm like oh I know I kind of like all the movies this actress picks or I like the way she acts so I'm going to be at least interested I agree with that um and I think that's a lot of why the industry does it yeah um but I would still say that doesn't I don't know I'm still gonna say it takes away from the magic absolutely (laughs) yes you know that's it's not like I'm not going to see movies, though. Because, like, of course. It's just, it's just too bad. Especially when someone gets big for something and then they're just in everything. I know. Like Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. <laughs> she had, like, one indie movie and all of a sudden she's and just it was in very good. fucking everything. And now she's in everything. And that's okay. Like, I'm not saying she's a bad actress. I'm just no. saying, like, oversaturation of Jennifer Lawrence at the moment. Yeah, and also, with all the pop culture stuff, we know so much about her. We see her in interviews all the time. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves her because she's so ballsy or whatever. Quirky. And... So you go see a movie, it's like, knowing her as well as, like, all her past characters. Yeah. And it's, you know, I don't want to watch celebrities. I want to watch characters, I know. you know? I agree. It doesn't actually help the celebrities any either because they know that they're not like, that's why some people go into the industry deliberately to be character actors and to be Mm -hmm. like the face that you kind of know, but you only know him because he's in things, but you don't really know him and stuff Mm -hmm. because that they're like, that's the only way that I can be a character for people. Yeah. And in some ways you may be able to get more work that way because you're not trying to get those big roles by being a big name. You're just consistently good in smaller roles. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So the other thing, um, we've got, like, actors we know, but we also know so much about, like, the casting and, you know, we hear about projects as they're just starting and who's going to produce it and who's attached to direct. We, We know about the project, like, five years before it comes out. Yeah. Or, like, in the case of Marvel, it's, like, 20 years in a draft. They have it planned, like, they, because they have their whole, and they've had it planned forever. Yeah. Um, with their three phases and, like, all the, all the trilogies that, like, fall into them for the individual characters and they all culminate in Avengers films and Mm. it's ridiculous. In, in a way, it's, like, it keeps you kind of on track and on board with the whole project. Because yeah. you want to now see it to the, like, fruition. I think in this but, case, I like mm, that there's this, they call it, like, there's a reason they call it the cinematic universe. Yeah. Because they're all, like, that's a whole different world from, like, other movies. But I, I don't know. But seeing it way in before, kind of, like... Ruins like stop ruining everything. Like, well, exactly. You're getting me excited for something. Well, and the thing is, is like, there's no like 
spoilers almost anymore because like you know like what it's all leading up to so like when twists happen you're like well obviously because this is all leading up to this one yeah, thing it's also, that's happening in 15 years well it's also based on source material <laughs> yeah that's so true but that well. i haven't read the source material <laughs> yeah i think that whole like cinematic universe it's fun that you can I agree. There's watch all these different movies in the same world. Oh, definitely. Without I being like a really, really enjoy rid- that. Without being a ridiculously long franchise. Yeah. It's just various kind of franchises mm-hmm. and characters. And they all come together. I like it. I'm just, you know. But yeah, but something gets announced and you know like what director's being considered. And then all of a sudden every movie watcher is like thinks they're in the industry and like has opinions about who's who's going to direct and oh my God. especially cuz Almost everything these days is an adaptation of something. I know. So people get all like, I'm this director directing my book that I love, or this comic that I love, and the writer, whatever. This actor playing this character is wrong. Yeah. The whole... Which is like... Fifty Shades of Grey fiasco. <laughs> I mean, it's not a book I read, but like, that's all I saw for like three weeks was like, no, this actor can't play this person. And I was like, why do we care this much? If you care about the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, your opinion is <laughs> null and void to me about anything I ever. I pretty much so. agree with that. I'm <laughs> so, like, can't wait till it's totally over and I never have to think about it again. Um, yeah, but, like, everyone knows... I think it... I don't know if it ruins it, but it kind of... It does take away, like I said, the magic of... You know, you see the names in the credits yeah. and, you know, people's names come before the title and stuff like that. And directors or writers, like, you go just, again, for the name, even not for the face, the actress, but, like, the name, the director. Or even producers, like, if Judd Apatow is producing something, you know it's You know what it is. This kind of comedy yeah. and probably all these kind of actors. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it's, like, an... An issue with just our basic question. Because, like, ruining is such a strong word. Like, I don't think it's ruining... Mm. It's not ruining movies for me. Like, I still love movies. But, yeah, there's... You don't have the mystique around films that you used to have. It's changing how we see movies. Of course. And, you know, like, that's kind of just the way it's going to be. Yeah. Um, And, unfortunately, as people who are interested in movies, we consume even more of this, probably, than regular people. Because we want to know everything, because we're excited. You know? And then we're just ruining it for ourselves, maybe. But, But like, yeah, sometimes I think... I love the big movies, like, we're using Marvel as an example. Like, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, where I know who's in it, I know what's happening. That's still really fun and exciting. But it's also... When I find, like, a little gem of a movie that's, mm-hmm. like, I don't know any of these people or writers or whatever. It's so nice. It looks interesting, and it just completely, I pay attention to the whole movie. Yeah. It's such a, like, magical little experience. And then if it's good, you probably see that actress or something mm-hmm. in, like, things coming later, but... I know, it's so nice when you get, like, a little, a little piece, something... and you're like, this is amazing. Yeah, it's just something different. I guess, really, I just hope that... It doesn't get to the point where Hollywood gets, like, smaller and smaller and it's even harder to break in because it's just these same, like, maybe hundred names all mixing and mashing and working together and to the point where you recognize everyone in a movie and you've heard of the director and the writer and everybody else. Yeah. And you never get to see something that's, like, new. New. I know. It definitely feels like it's going in that direction. I don't like that. Neither do I. Another thing when we talk about um, the magic of movies, um, 
special features. Like, I'm mm. a special features, like, junkie. Me too. I will watch anything and everything that's included. <laughs> but that will give me, like, more information. And, yeah, that ruins maybe the magic of it. But, like, at the same time, a lot of the, like, makings of and that sort of thing, like, I'm interested in that. Yeah. You know? I think also it's- that kind of stuff usually comes... After the movie? Yeah, that comes, like, with the, so the DVD release or whatever, yeah. the Blu-ray. Or even, like, we watch Doctor Who Confidential Yeah, we watch Doctor Who, but... Um, yeah, it's different, but I'd still say, like, like my mom, for example, is interested in, like, she'll do interviews with the cast and stuff, but she doesn't like seeing how things are made. It, it really... To believe it, it really, really Yeah, <laughs> it really ruins the, like, the the movie for her. Even if she watches it after. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't have that for issue. Some, <laughs> yeah, for some people, like, who just want movies, like, for the story, mm-hmm. then, like, stay away from that stuff and just let the movie be that world. But yeah. But for people like us who are interested in movie making, it's not about even sometimes, like, that particular movie or ruining that movie. It's more, like, a general kind of education. Like, I'm just interested to see, like, how things happen. Yeah. And sometimes it can be fun then to watch it the second or third time and be and like, oh, notice yeah, this all is these that shot things. where they did that thing. I know. I love that stuff. <laughs> so, um, so I don't think that's But at least it's not, it. like, in your face. Like, you have the choice of watching yeah. this making of. You don't this other to. stuff. No one's like, saying, like, you have to. It's not permeating the media <laughs> to the point, you know, where, like... Yeah. It's the stuff, like, the casting and that kind of news that gets out. Even if you're not really interested in movies, I see it. You still hear about it. Yeah, you You hear about it somewhere. And it's like, can I just, like, just leave it? Sometimes I want to be like, can we just shut up and just, like, show me a trailer? And uh, that's how I'll decide if I want to see it. Yeah. Because there's nothing I can do about it, so I don't care. Directors switching around, who's going to do this next big movie? It's like, do I care? Just when you've decided, let me know. So I can, like, get excited about this movie. Um, I also feel like I know kind of about how Hollywood works for, like, actors and stuff. Um, again, it's about everything being more available because the internet and stuff. Yeah. This is probably a stupid example, but, like, watching Entourage, it's very much about, like, what an agent does and what a manager does of how studios work. I know it's fucking fiction, but before watching... It's based on the... Yeah, before watching it, I had no idea what an agent did... Or how studio execs worked, or, like, yeah. how this whole casting of, like, big names thing worked, and negotiation, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now, like, I know about that. It just, um, if you're not interested in being in the movie business, which I am, but if you just love movies, knowing about the movie business can kind of, not ruin it, but, you know, like, ruin the magic. Yeah. Because... Everything takes kind of the sheen off a little bit, Yeah, right? because suddenly you're thinking of it, oh, it's a business. Yeah. And this all this stuff came together to make this story, not necessarily just for the sake of the story, but because of, like, nepotism and favors and connections. All about who you know. All about who you know. And money, who's going to make the most money, and all this shit. The whole industry right there. (laughs) That's the fucking industry, and that just... Like yeah. I said, it doesn't It's not a very anymore. romantic way to look exactly. at it. Exactly. It's the magic. It takes but, away the magic. Yeah. Of being like, oh, this just came to be, and I'm in this world watching this know. movie. If you're thinking, like, oh, I know why that person was cast, or, like, this person's oh, yeah. connection with this studio, or... Yeah. 
Well, and you were talking here, you have, um, you've mentioned like auditions and casting through actors on podcasts. Yeah, I feel like I hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah, like you and I both, not only do we make them, but we both listen to them a lot. I think mm-hmm. Nerdist is like a big one yeah. where they talk about a lot of that sort of thing. Yeah, and like an actor, actress will come on, This everyone who comes on will just be like, auditioning is the worst. Worst thing ever. <laughs> As somebody who has everyone auditioned, is... first off, it is the worst thing ever. It sounds ever. like the worst thing ever. It's, like, I think... It's terrible. I've only really, like, kind of acted in my own, like, little videos and stuff, but, like, I feel like I could act, like, get in, like, the art of acting is something that I enjoy, but, like... The idea of, like, trying to make it as a working actress is, like, no. I'm yeah. never going to do that. Like, auditionings would just wreck me emotionally. I mean, there's people who are just good at auditions. Yeah. That's great for them. I'm somebody who's much better when, like, I have time and I'm working with people and I can get engaged and I have the full source material to work mm-hmm. from. And, like, that's when I'm better at my acting. Mm-hmm. I don't find going into auditions when they're, like, read this. And it's, like, I don't, and it's, like... It's like an awkward, sterile room, and it's just like a bunch of people like watching you, and you're like, "This is so not what it's gonna be like." It's but awful. On sometimes on movie sets, that is what it's like. It you're is but doing it's, like an intimate scene, and there's like thirty people around you and equipment everywhere. But it's different because like you have a co-star, you have like the full mm. breadth of the story and stuff. I just mean like you're not just like read these lines like you know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> and like you have somebody reading opposite you who's just reading like the monotone. Like you don't. I just mean like in that sense, like yeah. I had something on my brain and I forgot as you were talking. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Any anything else? Um, that thing that I just forgot. Um. Um. Okay, kind of a little off from like the magic of movies, but kind of connected to side by side. Um, just talking about like with digital and stuff, the access to equipment now. Basically, everyone has access to editing software, really good cameras. If not to buy, at least rent. You can rent, uh, what do they call, prosumer mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, cameras. Um, and just kind of another question, is that good or bad for the industry? Like, the, you could kind of argue both ways. Like I say, it allows so-called nobodies to make stuff and have people see it at film festivals and stuff. Um, but it also means that more people are making stuff, which means it's harder to find the good stuff because people are also making shit. You have to filter out more <laughs> stuff. I don't know. I think that's, like, generally a good thing. I mean, like, I think overall that's a good thing. And, I mean, things like special features and stuff on movies is almost like, I mean, filmmakers can use that sort of stuff as, like, an education. You know, you can learn, like, oh, that's a cool shot or, like, a technique yeah. or, like... That sort of stuff. So, I mean, the more of this that's out there, the more, like, education there is that you can find for free and, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. That's why I love behind-the-scenes stuff, because I, I genuinely want to know how it works on a movie set, because yeah. I want to be on a movie set. <laughs> yeah. No, of course. Um, so, yeah. So, I don't know. That my could be answer, a bigger discussion someday. My answer is yes, but no. <laughs> yes, it's good? <laughs> no, yes, it's ruining the magic of oh, movies, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> I guess it's my answer. Like, yeah, I think it's just changing yeah. movies. Movies used to be a like, spectacle, a thing that you, you went only to. saw in the theater. It was an event. You only saw those people in the movies, yeah. and now just everybody knows everything because yeah. of the internet. Yeah, and so it's just the changed the world of our 
media in general, like movies, TV, like web stuff, it's all blurring together and behind the scenes of everything is blurring together. Welcome to the digital age. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. All right, let's wrap this up. Yes. So our question to you is the same one that we answered ourselves: Is awareness of the movie industry ruining the magic of movies? Yeah, what's... Is film dead? Yeah. Is it the end of film? <laughs> what do you think? You can email us your thoughts and opinions at <laughs> inthemoviespodcast at gmail.com. And you can always find more on the blog. Uh, link in the description of this episode. Like we said about the movie news, we'll put all that other cool stuff we found on there. Always links to anything we talk about and a little bit more that we write or whatever. So thanks for listening. Have a good week. Bye.